Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I'll read beginning verse 1 and read through verse number 2. I want you to follow carefully and follow me as I read. I left my glasses, I'll tell you, and uh, I hope I read it correctly. If I don't, you just attribute that to my failure to remember to bring my glasses tonight. At least I'm fortunate enough to have found the pulpit, so uh, I'm glad of that. I sure am. Uh, boy, sometimes uh, everything seems to go wrong. Kind of reminds me of a dear woman uh, whose husband uh, uh, had, uh, well, he just uh, uh, had been gone for a long time and seemed like that day uh, everything was just going wrong and, and off course for the woman and she adjusted the breaking point and her husband came in and threw his arms around her and picked her up and just said, Honey, I love you. I love you. And the poor thing began to squall more and he said, Now what have I done? What's wrong? He said. And she said, Oh, you'd never believe it. She said the chickens got out of the lot and the cows got out of the pasture and I burnt the dinner today and I burn a hole in my dress while I was ironing and then here you come home drunk as a dog. Well, uh, some days come like that, don't they? Uh, but I'm glad in spite of it we're all here. I hope we're here, huh? That's right. All right, you found the verse, 1 Corinthians 16 and we'll read verses 1 and 2 and tonight I'm going to talk about a very sensitive uh, matter. I'm going to talk about money. How about that? Now don't get up and leave. The Bible has a lot to say about money. I can just almost hear somebody grunt down inside and say, oh no, not that again. But do you realize that a man's relationship to the money the Lord has entrusted into his hands is a sure testimony of the kind of person we really are. Somebody as well said, money talks, and boy, does it ever. It says a lot about us. It tells a story every time we come to the house of God and the time of the offering comes around. It tells a lot about us at the end of the year when we begin to think about the income tax. Money does talk, and it says a great deal. And the Bible has a lot to say about this matter of money. I know when a preacher starts on that subject, somebody always says, like the Negro fellow in the congregation said to his pastor when he got to preaching on money, and time and again he got up talking on the subject, and the deacon said, Pastor, you're going to kill this church if you don't quit preaching on money, and then what are you going to do? And the pastor looked at him and said, If preaching on money kills this church, I'm going to get up on the steeple and preach as loud as I can, blessed and the dead who die in the Lord. Well, I believe surely the Bible has a guideline for us, and God's program of finance is a very simple one and a very clear one, and it's stated right here. Let's read it together. And Paul said, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given an order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now watch this. Upon the first day of the week, 
Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Paul must have surely been a Baptist preacher for he knew the very moment to preach about the collection. In the preceding chapter, chapter 15, Paul had really lifted the Corinthian Christians up on the very highest plane of biblical truth. He had talked about the glorious gospel of Christ. And I can just imagine as he talked about the gospel that he had proclaimed unto them the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. They were already beginning to say, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then he went into the wonderful theme of the resurrection. The resurrection of our body. The becoming like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he shared with them the thrill and the triumph of the return of our Lord Jesus for his own. Now I don't know anything that will thrill your heart any more than those subjects and cause you to want to shout inside as well as shout aloud. But just as soon as he got them to shouting, he said, it's time for the collection now. And he had them ready to hear what needed to be said. Hey, watch the watch the the very wisdom of the Holy Spirit inspiration of the Bible. For after God has reminded us of what He's done for us, what He is doing for us, and what He's going to do for us, He turns right around and says, "Now there's something you can do for me, and something you can do to propagate the message of the gospel of Christ, the return of Christ, and the." glorious truth of the resurrection. I'm glad that the gospel doesn't cost anything and the message of the coming of Christ doesn't cost anything and the resurrection doesn't cost us anything but it's kind of like water. Water's free. You just have to pay for getting it in, don't you? And so that's what Paul's saying here. I'm going to talk to you about the collection. All right, I want you to notice four things that are revealed to us about the collection, about the matter of our giving for the cause of the going forth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four things. Look, if you will, in verse number two. And the first thing you see is the period of the collection. When should the collection be given or taken? When should the offering be given? Paul says it like this. Upon the first day of the week. Now, God has always demanded first place in our life. And I don't know of anyone who deserves the position of first place in your life and mine outside our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it is upon the first day of the week that we as born-again people worship our Lord Jesus together. On the first day, the disciples came. The first day, the moment of the resurrection. And so the Lord is saying, in keeping with my position, then the period of the collection ought to be in conjunction and in relation to your life, it ought to be first. God ought to be first in everything in your life and mine. 
Now, not only time, but in our money matters, uh, the Lord ought to be first. Would you agree to that? Not if you do. Now, come on back up, too, if you don't mind. All right, so uh, here is the first day of the week. Our offerings are to be given on that very day and saying, I'm placing God first in the matter of finances and in the matter of money as it relates to my life. The Lord is going to have first place. But that's not the place he has a lot of times in our lives, is it? I'm afraid God's a spare tire to a lot of folks, aren't you? Uh, an old spare tire, you never think about it until you have a blowout and then, boy, you remember it, don't you? That's when you begin to say, oh, I sure hope that thing's up. I hope I remember to put it back in the trunk. And so, yet many a person thinks about God like we do a spare tire. We never think about him until there is some great blowout in our life or some great tragedy or some great need arising in our life. But all make it a pattern of your life. Make it a habit of your life to place God first in your life, even in the matter of your income and the matter of your giving. I'll never forget one time I was up in the state of Tennessee and in a, at a, at a church meeting and uh, uh, some folks uh, came in to demonstrate this thing of our stewardship in relation to our money. And uh, uh, the ladies uh, were demonstrating it and they brought in a nice, beautiful cake and here were a bunch of ladies lined up in front of the congregation uh, and they had signs hung around their neck. And uh, on one of the signs, uh, there was the words printed, uh, doctor. There's another word printed, uh, grocer. And there was another printed, uh, car payment. And uh, on down the line. And so the lady, as she talked, she was giving everybody a piece of the cake. And so she cut off one great big old slice and gave to the woman who represented the doctor. She cut off another slice, gave it to that one who represented the automobile payments and the house payment and the grocer and on down the line until finally she came to the woman who had the sign around her neck that spelled the word church. And she looked at her, hung her head, blushing and she looked back at the platter where the cake had been. And she looked back to the woman representing the church and said, Oh, I'm very sorry. I really meant to have something to give to you. But she said, Looks like all I've got left now is crumbs. And she raked it off the platter in her hand and dumped what crumbs she had out in the lady's hands who represent the church. Hey, do you get what I'm saying? Do you? Nod your head again. I'll know you're there. All right. So how, how true it is. That's why we treat God is it not? We do everything we want to do, our obligations, and yet we leave the Lord and his church way down there. And if anything's left over out of the paycheck, then we're going to give that to the Lord and that to the church. Now, friend, that's the reverse order from what the Bible teaches about the matter of our money that God's entrusted in our hand. The Lord said, put me first in your life. Hey, there's a lot in the Bible about that first. You really, I'm sure you're aware. Back over here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, uh, the Bible said, uh, uh, revealing uh, our Lord's test of discipleship. And in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 57, uh, the Bible said, and it came to pass as they went on the way, a certain man said to the Lord, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And watch it. And Jesus said unto him, 
Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And watch the fellow. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. I want you to underscore two words. Me first. Suffer me first. Now, do you realize that's our problem primarily? Me first and the Lord second. I want to tend what I want to tend to. I want to get what I want to get. I want to, I want to buy what I want to buy. And then if there's anything left over, Lord, I'll put you first. However, after me, you can be first after me. Well, if you're going to have the blessing of God, you're going to have to learn the secret of that, and that is put God first in everything in your own life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. In other words, a man who doesn't put God first in his life and the things of God first is like a man who's building a house without a foundation laid. And so put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And uh, we talk about a lot of things the Bible says first, but let me move on in relation to this subject. All right, so the period of the collection is when? On the first day of the week. And I believe what an opportune time when you come together to worship God and the offering plates are passed. My, that ought to be one of the main attractions of our worship before God. Hey, listen to this. Did you ever find in the Old Testament where Israel ever worshiped God without bringing an offering to him? You'll never find it. There's always an offering, always a giving, and it's always saying, Lord God, we're putting you first. The first fruits of that increase, the Bible said. Bring that, the first things, not second, or after Uncle Sam's gotten his, and the state has theirs, and the doctor, and the grocer, but put me first in your life. All right? So the period of the collection upon the first day of the week. Now watch. The persons of the collection are designated. And the verse said, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him and store God has prospered to him. How many are to give? Every one of you. Now, I think it would be a great thing for mothers and dads to teach their children the, the blessing and the value of giving when it comes to the worship service. I don't care what it is, uh, but you ought to somehow make it possible for even the children in your family to take part in the offering when church time comes around. That's a part of our worship. And no man can really worship God without at least an expression of giving of himself to God. And hey, that's what you do when you give your money in the offering. You're giving yourself. It took hours of your labor to earn the money. And it took time in your life to earn that money. Time that'll never come back again. Hours of labor that'll never return. They'll come and they're gone now. But when the offering comes around and you're making that as a gift to the Lord, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving you a part of my life. I'm giving you this many hours of my labor this week. I'm giving this to you and God would have you, every one of you, to be a part of that very collection. Now, here's a sad truth. Do you realize the average Baptist church, I said the average Baptist church, 
I don't know about Methodists and Presbyterian and all that crowd, but I know, know about us Baptists. I am, I, I, it, is, it is revealed that only about 10 and maybe 15% of the membership of the average Baptist church carries the financial load of that particular church. Now, am I right on that, preacher? And yet, how sad when the Lord said, hey, not 10 or 15% of you, but every one of you, I want you to have part in the financial burden of proclaiming the gospel, of keeping the ministry going, of keeping the doors of the church open, of getting out the message of Jesus Christ. So, it's not just the rich. It is not. Uh, it is not the man who may have acquired uh, may have acquired great wealth in life. But the Lord said, "I want every one of you." Listen. If I were a pastor and a man came to me in the church and said, "Listen." God has blessed me and I'm a multi-millionaire and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I don't want you passing any more offering plates. I don't want you taking any more offerings. I don't want, you, I don't, I don't want that anymore in the, servant, in the church. I want you just to send all the bills to me and whatever the church owes, I'll pay it myself. I'll, I'll give to all the missionaries. I don't want another offering plate passed. I'll pay all the bills. If a man were to say that to me and I were a pastor, I'd refuse that. I wouldn't take that. And I'll tell you why. Only one man in the church would get the blessing of God in his life when the Lord said, listen, I don't want it poured out on one fella and I don't want one man to carry the load. I want every one of you to have a part in that. And so when the child who puts his allowance a quarter or 50 cent or a dollar in the offering plate on Sunday, he is saying, Lord, I'm a part of this great thing. I'm a part of getting the gospel to men and women. A part of reaching the heathen for Christ. A part of keeping the ministry on television. A part of the ministry of our Pastors standing behind the pulpit and telling men and women how to know Christ as their Savior. So every one of you, the Lord said, I want every one of you carrying your own share and the weight and the load of that financial responsibility. I was in a church down in Mobile, Alabama many years ago. A church, well, out of Mobile in a little uh, a little French uh, settlement uh, called Bailabetra, uh, Louisiana. And the church had literally, where I was in the meeting, had been built and paid for by another church. And I will tell you frankly, that is the deadest church I've ever been in my life. The folks had come, had no responsibility. They had no burden for the ministry. Their heart was not in it. Now listen, if your heart is in something, I'll guarantee you're going to give. Did you know that? And if you love something, you're going to give. I saw in front of a little nigger church down in the state of Mississippi on the uh, out on the little uh, uh, billboard thing, uh, and uh, the message read, A man can give without loving, but he cannot love without giving. Hey, there's the secret to everybody having a part. It is really a test of our love. Whether or not we really love the Lord and whether or not we really love the church, ah, proven by our giving. Not how much. No, I didn't say that. But whether or not we're saying, Lord, I'm putting you first in my life. And I want you to know I love you and I want to give. Didn't the Bible say, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Yeah, that's it. All right, so love is really proven in the fact of our giving. 
God certainly wants you, but when he gets you, uh, he doesn't want you to leave your pocketbook laying out on the bank. He doesn't want you to leave that at home. He wants all of you. And so uh, the Lord's saying uh, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you uh, lay by him in store. I'll never forget up in the mountains of Virginia about three or four years ago, a dear lady way up in her, her, uh, in her 80s, uh, I came into the home uh, and uh, uh, visited for a while, and she had come faithfully to the revival service every night. And in the, at the final night of the meeting, the dear soul came around, and she stood in front of me, thanking me for preaching the gospel and telling her what God had said in his word. And she's such a grateful soul. And all of a sudden, I saw her pull out of her, her dress uh, a little uh, rolled up handkerchief, had a knot tied in it. And uh, she took those old knotty uh, f- hang- fingers uh, and trembling, she opened that little old handkerchief and, and uh, emptied in her hand about 75 cents or less and said, Preacher, I don't have much to give you, but I do want to have a part in helping you tell somebody else about Jesus like you've told us this week. And the soul gave it to me. And the first impression, the first inclination I had was just take that dear woman in my arms and say, now listen, I appreciate what you're doing, but I want you to have this. Listen, I know, I know you don't have much. And uh, somebody else, somebody else supply my need somewhere. But I, I, I want to say, no, I can't take that. And I'm not going to. But then the Lord seemed to say, oh, no, don't rob her. Don't rob her of the blessing that's hers. And I had to just take it and tears welled in my eyes. And I couldn't help but sob as the dear soul turned and walked away. And I thought, oh, that I love the Lord like that dear soul. Willing to do what I could to get the message of Christ. All right, the Lord said, every one of you, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, whoever we are, don't let somebody else do what you God's given you to do. Don't let somebody else fill the vacancy and the gap that God intends for you to fill. All right, so the period of the collection is when? First day of the week, put God first. Second thing is, the person of the collection, that's every one of us. That includes me, that includes you. You know, I think at offering time, ought to be the happiest time in the church service, really. But it's sometimes the most morbid. Uh, I like the musicians here. Boy, I like the way y'all do it. And uh, yet I have been in some churches when the offering time comes around and they'll play Abide With Me or Near My God to Thee or something like that, you know, or Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And uh, honestly, you just feel so sad. I think you ought to play something like I'll Fly Away or uh, I Feel Like Traveling On or Get Something in Gear. If nothing else, uh, play some hillbilly number and make folks enjoy giving. And uh, I see pastors sometimes. They come up half apologetically saying, well, it's time for the offering now. And, uh, and uh, you know, and everybody said, oh, me, it's that again. And uh, listen, we ought to, every time the offer plate pass, somebody will say, hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? I sometimes in meetings, I was up in Pennsylvania last summer in a citywide meeting, and an airwide meeting, and they asked me to take the offering one night, and I said, we're going to have a hallelujah offering. Well, they said, what's that? I said, here's what I want the ushers to do. Every time somebody puts a dollar bill in the plate, I want the usher to holler, Amen. 
And I said, when they put a 10 in, I want them to say, praise the Lord. And I said, if it put a 20 or above, say hallelujah. Man, you talk about a happy offering. We had it that night. There's people hollering amen, hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord. That's the way it ought to be. We ought to be joyous in our giving. Now, the third thing Paul reveals is this, and that is the plan and the place of our giving. All right, watch it. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered to him. All right. Back in the Old Testament, the tithe indeed was brought to the Lord. I don't have to explain to y'all nor define the word tithe, do I? Y'all ever heard that around here? Sure you have. All right, I'm talking about 10% off the top, not the middle, not after Uncle Sam taking his. I'm talking about off the top. And so uh, the tithe, the Bible said, is the Lord's. Just a statement of truth, is it not? Not a commandment, but a statement of truth. And as far as I know, that's never changed. The Lord said it's mine. Now, if you take what long somebody else spends their money, you're crooked. And you're, you're dishonest. And that's exactly what's wrong in many a Christian home and many a Christian's financial hazard and condition. The thing that's wrong is this. He indeed, indeed has not followed God's prescription and God's plan for giving. All right? So what is God's plan? The tithe is Lord. A statement of truth that belongs to God. And you ought to honor God in honest stewardship. Tithing is nothing more than just doing what God said. Just simply doing what he said. All right? Surely, if before the law and during the law and after the law, tithing was practiced, it ought to be practiced now. Now, I believe that. Now, I don't believe that's all we ought to give for in reality. In reality, a man who is tithing and puts the tithe in the offering, he's not giving God anything. You see? Would you say that? Uh, you're not really giving then. That's not really an offering. That's just giving to God what belongs to him. If somebody said to me, somebody here on the altar said, Hey, Brother Merle, I have $100 that belongs to Brother Bill, our pastor, and I'd like for you to give it to him. And if I took that $100 and said, Huh, I'm not going to give it to him. That looks like I, I've got a lot of things I can do that and some things I want to buy, and I'm not going to do that. All right? I've become a crook, have I not? Sure I have. I'm spending money that belongs to him. All right, the same thing applies when we take the tithe, the 10% of our income, and we spend it on ourselves for our own selfish purposes. That is not what the Bible would teach you to do in this matter of giving unto God or being an honest and a faithful and a good steward of the possessions God's entrusted into our hands. Now, I believe anything above the tithe indeed is an offering. We give that to the Lord. And yet it is not so much how much we give, it's how much you got left over after you do give. God looks at what you've got left as well as what you give, you see. All right. Now, is that getting a little too sharp, huh? Am I still on course, huh? Come on now. Some of you act like I've lost the trail. I'm still, I'm still on it. All right. You with me? Okay. Now, so the plan God has is basically, and here's his plan of finance, church finance, bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy about the storehouse, but I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe the local church is the storehouse. 
Contrary to what anybody says, thanks, I believe the local church is the storehouse. Well, let me ask you to look back in Malachi for just a moment. I want to show you something. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. And, uh, and I think you'll see something here uh, that maybe I haven't seen before. Malachi 3 and verse 10. And the verse is familiar, but here's what it says. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me, put me to the test now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out, uh, uh, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I want you to look at the word storehouse just a minute. That's the place the tithe was to be brought. Now, the Greek word in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2 for store is the word thesaurizon. And it comes from a word, or it is the basic word from which we get our English word, thesaurus. Now, in the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew scripture, that word is used in the Old Testament for the word storehouse. And the Greek word, the same word, is found over the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. And there it is simply store. Or, I think we can safely say, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, or let every one of you lay by him in the storehouse as God has prospered him. Now, thesaurus is a treasure chest. Uh, you've seen, uh, some of you in school have seen uh, Roguet's thesaurus. It's a book of anonyms, synonyms, and all that kind of thing. A treasure chest, a treasure house, of words. Now the Lord is saying, I want you to bring the tithes, all the tithes into the storehouse. Now I believe that's what God's plan is for the getting forth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the Lord has placed his hand upon, has ordained and established the local church. I believe that church to which you're a member ought to be the place where you bring the Lord's tithe. Well, somebody may be here tonight, not a member of the church. You say, well, I tell you, I don't uh, put the tithe in the church where I'm a member. Listen, if your church is not worthy of the Lord's tithe, it's sure not worthy of your membership. And you ought not to be in a place that you couldn't be faithful and true and do what God has told you to do. All right, so Paul is saying, bring the tithe, just as Malachi did, into the place, and that place of the giving ought to be in the house of God. Now, I'm not saying you ought not support us. Finally, uh, well, let me say this before I do that. The plan that God has for giving and supporting his work is the fairest plan you'll ever find. It's fair for a man that makes $1,000 a week. It's fair for the man who makes $100 a week. man who makes $100 gives 10. The fellow makes $1,000 a week gives 100. It's a fair program, and God does not discriminate. God does not play any favorites. He said simply, the tithe is mine. It belongs to me. Would you all agree with that, huh? Would you? Come on, nod your head. The preacher's looking. All right, good. Now, so what is God's purpose in all this? Paul said it like this. Here's the purpose. That there be no collection and gathering, rather, when I come. We said, sound like Paul didn't want anybody to take, uh, he didn't want the collection plate passed. He said, listen, 
I've got some important things to do. Want to get over there? And he said, if you'll just follow God's plan of giving, we won't have to take up all the time raising the money and trying to get it in. If you'll follow God's plan, and that plan just giving the tithe, bringing the tithe and bringing your offerings into the house of God. That's God's plan. I read up, uh, up uh, somewhere, I think, Connecticut. One church got in financial pro- uh, straits, and uh, uh, they, they had uh, tried everything, and finally they thought, well, we've got a good plan. What we'll do, we're going to select one of the, uh, the most beautiful girls in our church, and we're going to set up a kissing booth. And, uh, and you buy a kiss for a dollar. You ought to have seen the picture in the magazine. Every old worn-out shoe in the country, walking sticks, uh, bald heads uh, included. Everybody lined up giving their dollar. Boy, everybody said, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That's a shame. That's a disgrace when it comes to that. Listen, God's church, God has a plan for it. And that plan is clearly revealed. Our Paul said, listen, let's not have any lag. And let's not have any lack. Let's not. And many a church is under financial strain because God's people either have not been taught or they are not practicing what God taught us in the matter of our giving. You follow that? So here it is. The collection, Paul said, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Thank God for such a plan. I'm glad he didn't leave us to ourselves, aren't you? I'm glad he didn't say, okay, just do whatever you think's best. Lord didn't say that. He said, here's what it is. This is the plan, and if you'll follow it, all what great things could be done for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer.